Hi, and welcome to the Parenting in the Middle podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Goodman. I'm a certified life coach and a mom to four teenagers. Do you ever wonder if you're doing this whole mom thing right? Are you pushing too hard or not enough? What does it look like to love your teens, yet keep firm boundaries? Would you love to get your kids to listen without yelling and feeling frustrated first? Here in this podcast, you will find coaching and communication strategies to help you tackle all of your hardest parenting struggles. These strategies will help you parent with more confidence, peace, and influence. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I almost said good morning. It's early. I just dropped one of my daughters off at school for her cheer practice, and normally she goes with her sister, but I had to take her today. So 6.30 was an early morning But whenever you're listening to this, whether it's morning or afternoon, at night, I'm so glad you are here. A little shout out to my one-on-one coaching clients. It's so much fun seeing the awareness start to build as we coach together. Some of them I coach every week. Some of them are bi-weekly. And they come to me because they want help navigating their emotions around their teenagers. Like they feel really frustrated and they want to feel more loving. And over time, what ends up happening is they see that the thoughts that they have really are impacting so many other areas of their life. And so I just wanted to make a little plug for coaching. So if you have a coach that you like, or you want to jump on my calendar, I'll put a link in my show notes. I highly recommend making an appointment because it is so helpful. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about When you feel the need to change your parenting style. On this podcast, I talk a lot about the authoritarian, controlling parenting style, and then on the other side of the spectrum, the very lenient, permissive parenting style. And we always want to try to stay right there in the middle where we're open-minded. We can be more patient and calm and respond instead of react. But it can be hard, and it might mean you need to change some things around your parenting. It can feel uncomfortable to do that. A lot of the comments that I get, the most common one is, but I can't just let my child get away with everything. I can't just let them get away with that. That's the thought that I coach parents on the most when we first start doing this work because it feels uncomfortable not to step in with that punishment or you came home late and so you're grounded or You can't talk to me that way. That is disrespectful. I'm taking away your phone. If that is your natural reaction or your go-to response, it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to be difficult and it will take work to get out of that habit, but it is worth it. And this is what my podcast is about today is when you do decide to make a change, it's okay. And to be open-minded to the idea that you can change your parenting style. And I want to start off with telling you a story, and it's about Blockbuster. And if you remember going to Blockbuster and renting a movie, it was really fun. I mean, my kids have no idea the the amount of time you would spend walking around and how fun it was to see the covers of every movie, read the back of them. You would hope that they would have a certain movie in stock. Loved Blockbuster. When was the last time you went and rented a movie? I'm guessing it's been a while because Blockbuster went bankrupt in 2010. And I want to talk about why they went bankrupt. If you don't know this story, it's so interesting. And I'm going to tell you how it applies to parenting because it does. 
So remember back in the day when you would go and rent a movie and it was due back by a certain day. And if it wasn't back by that time, you would be charged a late fee. The majority of Blockbuster's revenue was created because of late fees. And I'm sure I could have bought multiple movies for the amount of money I spent paying late fees. So in the 2000s, Netflix comes along and they had this idea of digital streaming. And if you remember Netflix in the beginning was by mail, they would mail you a movie. So they didn't have a brick and mortar store. Well, they needed a way to market their company. And so they approached Blockbuster and they said, hey, what if we joined forces and we could put posters up in your store and you could advertise for us and we could just join in together? And partner up. Well, Blockbuster knew that they were pretty much on top in this industry. They made a ton of money, and all of that money was made, most of it was made on late fees. And so they kind of laughed Netflix out of the room and they said, No, not interested. And it's not really surprising because Blockbuster was such a household name. I mean, you can visualize their logo. So the idea that this random company could come in to join with them just seemed laughable. So what ends up happening? Netflix not having the overhead because they didn't have any brick and mortar locations could afford to allow for more variety. They could try new things. And instead of charging to rent videos, it offered a subscription. And so it made late fees unnecessary. And remember, Blockbuster's business model that was really profitable, that penalized their customers, basically punished them with a late fee. They could not even predict that that would be the very thing that would take their company under, was this penalization that they created. So Netflix has the subscription service, and it made late fees unnecessary. I remember these days, I remember having my subscription to Netflix and I had like, you could do two DVDs a month and they would come in the mail and you could keep them for as long as you wanted. You were not penalized as long as you kept the video. You just could not rent more videos. And so you'd be motivated to mail it back and they made it super simple because you would have the little envelope is ready to go. You would just pop it in the mailbox and then you could order a new video. They took away the penalties. They took away the late fees. By the time Blockbuster figured out that they needed to make some changes, it was too late. It would cost them too much money. They ended up actually approaching Netflix and, say, and saying, hey, like they could see the, the vision that Netflix had and, and where things were going digital. And so they approached Netflix and they were like, hey, Remember when you came and asked us about partnering up? Well, we're interested now. Netflix didn't laugh them out of the room like Blockbuster did to them, but Netflix knew that they didn't need them anymore. And so they were like, you know what? We're good. Five years later in 2010, Blockbuster goes out of business. And I've never told my kids this story. And so if I went up to them and I said, hey, have you ever heard of Blockbuster? Do you know what Blockbuster is? They would have no idea. So how can we liken this to parenting? Blockbuster was a very punishment-based, shame-based business model. It wasn't open to new ideas. So even when Netflix came, wanted to partner up, 
they were just like, no, the late fees are too profitable for us. We're not going to do that. That's crazy. So they shut it down. I want you to think about this in your own parenting strategy. How often do you use punishment from fear to get your kids to comply with what you want them to do? I am all for consequences and structure. I think that's really important for kids. All of that to say, if it is done in a very punishment and shame-based way, even if your kids do comply, it's not because they want to make that decision or choice or because they respect you. It can be because they are afraid of you or they don't want to deal with the punishment or maybe they're even hiding things from you or you don't even know everything that they are doing because they can't tell you so in your mind everything looks like it's great. And you may even hear someone like me or another parenting expert on Instagram say, hey, no punishment, you shouldn't punish your kids and you're thinking, no way, that's not going to work. I'm not going to do that. But I know that if you are listening to this, you are a very intentional and loving parent and there may be something that's just not working. You want to feel more patient and calm, probably, less frustrated, and you want to work with your teenager or your younger child. And maybe now you recognize the effects that the shame cycle had on you and you want to do it differently for your kids. But if you're feeling some resistance to changing your parenting style, I want to tell you that you're not alone. And I also want you to think about this. Because remember, I'm all for consequences, but I think that the consequences from fear-based parenting that a lot of us were raised with, it worked. If you think about it, it actually worked. And so it can be hard to think, well, that's the way I was raised and it worked. I'm a hardworking, responsible person. It should work for my kids. But then we ask ourselves, why is it not working? It feels different now, doesn't it? Even in sports, I think. I hear some people say that our kids are just softer or they can't handle the criticism or they're just too sensitive now. And I don't really think that's the case. I think that most of it is because we are learning better ways that can be just as effective and have the same result. I see just as many kids that are really hardworking and focused and dedicated but that just need a gentler hand when you are wanting to give them criticism or implement some structure. If you are a parent of a teenager, you know that your kids will do something to upset you. If they're younger, you might deal with tantrums in a grocery store. When they get older, it might be more of a curfew or when they can have the car or what the things that they want you to buy for them. Like different things can create different power struggles. It's different for each family and it can be difficult and it can dysregulate us as parents and we can lose our cool and it's totally normal. We aren't robots. We're not supposed to be happy all the time and we're not supposed to always be this patient, positive parent all the time. So I want you to be compassionate with yourself don't beat yourself up and think you're a terrible mother because you yelled at your child or said some things in a very shaming way. We've all been there. But I do want to offer to you that it's possible to start noticing what it is that triggers you, that gets you dysregulated, and it is completely possible to stay calm in those moments and be more intentional. 
because what you think might be working, there's always another way. And if it doesn't feel good to you, if you get dysregulated and you react instead of respond, even if you ultimately get your child to do what they want, what you want them to do, it's not going to connect you and be as effective as it will be if you can remain calm, even if you hold to that same boundary or have that same rule. It is possible to stay calm in the moment and still hold to the things that you want to do. It just you have to get really clear about the roles that you want to set, why you are setting those roles, and are they necessary? It's a process. It takes time. And I remember as I was doing this work for myself with my own family, it I can look back and see how I loosened up a little bit and then slowly pulled in the reins where I was comfortable. So I may have loosened up a little too much and then I wanted to pull it back in a little bit. But I think that was just part of the process for me because I had to figure out why I wanted to keep the roles that I had. And a lot of the roles I had or the things that I expected from my kids were because I thought that is what a good mom does. And I have to do it this way. I have to have all of this control. My child has to respect me. And when I started opening my mind up to, okay, Like, I think I've talked about this on my podcast before. My oldest always came home on time. She didn't go past curfew. She didn't ask to extend it all the time. The curfew really wasn't an issue for us. My second, she did not understand the need for a curfew, and she didn't understand why 10 minutes would make a difference, and it really frustrated her. And so there were a lot of nights where I'd be texting her close to curfew. She wouldn't be on her way home. And I would get so frustrated about this. And she would be so confused, like, why is this a big deal? And I was like, no, you need to be home right at the minute that I say your curfew is because otherwise you are late. You are disrespecting my rule. And it created a huge power struggle for us. And it was hard for me to get into that mindset of like, can I loosen up on this rule or does my daughter just need to be home when I say? And I think as parents, it's okay to ask ourselves this question for all of the roles that we have, because then you can get really clear, really what is important and what's not important. So unfortunately for my oldest, as she did not push these boundaries or ask these questions, she just came home on time. My second now has, I've gotten a little more lenient with the curfew situation because for one, I want sleep. And two, I realized, you know what? She is not doing anything that she shouldn't be doing. I trust the friends that she is with. I know where she is at. I can allow her more grace in this area because this is creating a power struggle that is unnecessary. It was unnecessary in my mind, but it took time to get there and it took doing things wrong, having major like freak out moments at midnight on some nights to where I was open to the idea of, all right, maybe I can loosen the reins a little bit on this and maybe I can still be a good mom and maybe she can still be a responsible teenager and I don't have to feel like I'm being walked all over. I think that's a thought that gets a lot of us parents in a trap because we don't want to feel like we're being walked all over we don't want to be taken advantage of. We do a lot for our kids and we want to have these expectations of them. Totally okay. But do ask yourself, is it worth the power struggle in the end 
for certain rules that you have. So in this case with the curfew, it wasn't. And I could start loosening my reins on that curfew time, but also have conversations with my daughter. So in those moments, I would have a freak out moment. I would be yelling at her, texting, text yelling, if you ever do that. And, you know, we wouldn't really talk about it that night, but the next day we could have a conversation about it. Over time, things have gotten easier. And I do think that connection piece is so important because when you can settle down, I had to settle down, right? Like I'm the adult. I need to manage my own emotions and not expect my daughter to be home on time for me to feel patient and calm and loving. I want to be patient, calm, and loving. I can still have that curfew and then get curious about, okay, why is it so hard for you to come home? And that's what I started doing. It's not like I just threw the curfew out and said, fine, you can do whatever you want. It was not like that. It was that I was able to get curious and open, like, why is it hard for you to come home on time? I knew she was with people I trusted. I knew where she was. She wasn't doing anything she wasn't supposed to be doing. I mean, we can't control all of that with our kids, right? So it's different for each situation. But this is my situation where I knew I could trust her. And so I could give her a little bit of leniency in this area. And I could stop making it a big deal. And so she could be home a little bit later where she could have that freedom to come home when, you know, within that 20 minute time frame. So I want you to start opening your mind to thinking about instead of parenting from fear and anxiety, how about we parent from a place of curiosity and growth? We can be curious about the why. Why is our child upset? Or why did they make the choice that they made? And we can trust that even if they make a mistake or if we make a mistake, They can handle it. We can handle it. We can make it through really hard things. This will help our teenager and us become more resilient. And I love that this confidence we can have in our teenagers to, even if they make a mistake, we don't have to prevent and control everything that happens in their life because we can trust that even if they make a mistake, they will be okay. And just imagine that. Like, that confidence, that that energy that we can have as parents in our kids will help them so much. If you parent out of fear, it really can prevent the learning that can happen through making a mistake. Think about in your own life, some of the biggest lessons I've learned were from the hardest experiences that I've had or from mistakes that I made. So when we think about it this way, we can understand that, you know, going back to my story about Netflix and Blockbuster, Netflix comes in and Blockbuster's like, no, that's not going to work. Who are you even to try to like come in and change things up for us? Here we are as parents. We have so many tools and resources right at our fingertips. And that's where the connection piece is so important because if your teenager is exhibiting unsafe behavior, like if they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing, you will have more influence on them as a parent If instead of trying to control through force and punishment, you're open and curious and you're putting that choice and behavior back onto your teenager. And like I said, this is different for every family, every kid, every parent, because obviously you would want to step in if things were unsafe and get that help for your child they need if if this was really severe. So I'm not talking about anything really extreme. 
But I do think that a lot of times when we try to tighten the rope so much and we want to force and punish, our kids want to push back on that. And so they may make choices that they wouldn't make otherwise just because they're, they're ticked off. And so if instead of trying to control and punish, if we step back, let our teenagers make the mistakes, like put that ownership on them. They know what is right and wrong. They know when they are doing things that aren't in line with their values or your values. And I think the kids today need to figure that out. Sometimes they might have to learn the hard way or they might have to see what doesn't work in order to figure out what does work. And you as the parent, if you can be that example to them, you know, what works for you and where are your values and live those values, that will be so much more influential on them than that coercion and force and because I said so way. So allow this idea of loosening up a little bit, trying something new, being more connective instead of corrective, like you need to control and you're responsible for everything that happens for your child or your teenager. Really, that is out of anxiety, right? That's parenting from fear. And when I started recognizing that, I realized I was parenting out of fear almost all of the time. Like I felt responsible for everything my kids did. I felt like I could or that I should be able to control it. So I would try. And then when I wasn't able to, it just felt terrible. And so when I could just take a deep breath and realize I don't have control over a lot of things. So much is uncertain and it's okay. And I could trust myself. I could trust my kids. I could trust my faith to help us through. Have you ever told your teenager, hey, you can come to me with anything. I want you to talk to me about anything. But then when something difficult comes up or if you find out they've done something they shouldn't have done and you just go right to the freak out mode, right to the yelling, you're so disappointed, you respond out of a lot of anger and punishment, you won't be that safe person that they can open up to. And this is what you want. You want them to open up to you when they are struggling and you want to have that influence on them so that they will make the choices you want them to make ultimately. And so we go back to the question of, well, I can't just let my teenager do whatever they want. And no, you, you can't, but we can't really control our teenagers like we think we can either, right? We can control what we give them and the privileges that they have. We do have control in that area. So think about, you know, and that goes into a whole different topic about boundaries. A boundary isn't you do this and I will do this. A boundary is this is my expectation or this is what I'm going to do if you do that. So like if my child is yelling at me or saying words that I feel are rude and disrespectful, depending on the situation, like if I just know they're in a dysregulated state and they're emotional, I might allow them to have that time, but I really won't engage with it. I will just notice that they're upset and I will honor that they are upset and this isn't a good time to talk to them. And it's hard. And that's one of those moments where I'm compassionate with myself too. And I think, man, parenting is tough. It's hard to do so much for your kids and not feel like they care or the words that they say can hurt, right? Like really, really sting. But to always have that awareness, to use that part of your brain that's logical, that understands that, you know what, your teenager is a teenager. 
this behavior is normal. This is the normal part of growing up. And no, I wouldn't put up with disrespectful language all of the time. That would be some a way that I need to step in and hold some boundaries and create some discussion and dialogue and have some consequences, right? Like they wouldn't be allowed to drive or I'd have to put some consequences in place. But every once in a while, you're going to be dysregulated. They will be dysregulated. They might say things that are rude. They might fight or come home late. And if we understand that that's just part of life, it's not going to be perfect, our kids aren't going to be perfect, then instead of having to control it or punish it when it doesn't work, we can just allow it and just go, you know what, this is just part of it, it's hard, and we're not gonna engage with it right now. That's really where you can be more intentional to decide what is a problem and what's not, and that's for you to decide. And I really feel that when you are in a regulated state, you're calm, you are operating out of love. Like, what does love look like and feel like? Love does not look like for me letting my kids do whatever they want. Love is structure. It's holding them accountable. It's holding myself accountable. But it's not fear, control, punishment either. So you don't have to give up all of your expectations, but you just have to question the expectations that you have. Like, pick your battles, like you would say when your kids are toddlers. Is it working? Is what you're currently doing working? Can you let go a little bit? Is your child trustworthy? Are they doing things that they shouldn't be doing? And so you've got to figure out, you know, what does it look like when you tighten that rope? Is it out of fear that's keeping that rope so tight? Can you let go a little bit? When you can stay calm as the parent, even in the hardest moments, you are teaching your children how to self-regulate. This is such a gift that you can give your kids, is learning how to self-regulate. Breathwork is one of my favorite ways to do this because it does help. I breathe in through my nose really slowly, blow it out through my mouth. Sometimes I will visualize like breathing in all of the peace and calm, the courage, like I'm breathing that in. And then as I let that air out, I'm letting out all of the frustration and anger. And really, that is probably my favorite way to regulate my nervous system. So instead of focusing so much on getting your kids to listen or do what you want, I want you to focus on how you feel and how you can stay calm and loving moving forward. Because if you can stay calm in the hardest moments, you can always follow up and discuss a plan moving forward. You get to choose when you want to do that. And it doesn't have to be in the moment when, you know, in the heat of the moment. It can be in those calm times. You're staying calm or you're choosing to disengage and take care of yourself. You can always come back and make a plan moving forward. Your kids will respect that. They will want to follow the rules more because they're not trying to make you miserable and they will see that you're not trying to make them miserable. When our children are you know, breaking rules or lashing out, it's not because of us anyways. It's because of how they are feeling. And so if we don't take it personally, we realize they're really not trying to make us miserable. Just like we're not trying to make them miserable either. And it's okay to have those expectations and want them home earlier. Open up a dialogue, have conversations. It's so different kid to kid, family to family. It really has to depend on what feels the best for you.
Listen to your kids even when you disagree. I was talking to someone just today about how connection doesn't mean you agree with everything that they are doing or even approve of it. Connection is just listening. It's being curious. It's having your own back so you can express how you feel and you can be honest. That is connecting. And it doesn't mean you get walked all over. It doesn't mean you're letting your kids do whatever they want. The last thing I will leave you with is just to have an open mind. Don't be afraid to try a new way. And if that fear comes up, just know that that is work for you to do. It's not your child creating the fear in you. It's your own thoughts and the stories you have that are going on in your mind that are making you feel anxious. And I've definitely had those times. And I go back to my oldest because she's the one I did the work with the most. And I can remember when I reacted from that fear and anxiety and I can see now the changes that I've been able to make because I can stay more calm and I don't react in such a way anymore. And when you can stay calm and respond instead of react, it is more impactful and it works. Those times I reacted out of fear and anger or anxiety, it didn't work for any of us. Typically, it would just disconnect us from each other. So what I really want most of the time is to connect and to operate out of that, that love. With that said, parenting is hard and you're not going to do it perfectly. And so give yourself some grace. What the goal is, what I like to think about is like 80% of the time, right? Most of the time, I want to show up in love and in patience and calmness. And there are going to be those times that... I'm going to freak out and I will have to make some repair. And that can be another podcast episode that I will do, but you can totally repair and your kids will respect that. And then as you give yourself grace, you're also going to be able to give your child grace because you will know it's hard to stay calm all the time. And when you allow yourself to freak out and have those moments, you will allow your child to freak out and have their moments and not take it personally. All right, everyone, have a great week. Go to my show notes for any links to this episode. And you can also get on my calendar if you'd like to schedule a phone call. It's super easy. We can strategize, make a plan so that you can start being more calm as you parent your teenager. Talk to you soon.